Welcome everyone to Pem Pem Pals, uh, Darling in the Franks, episode 12. Uh, I'm Alex. This is Brian. I'm Ben. And today we have two returning guests, uh, two of my favorite people in the world, uh, <laughs> the hardest working ladies in Bloodborne podcasting. Please welcome Sin and Sophie. Hi. Can you tell the audience a little bit about what you've been up to? Because I know you're very busy and I know you have like several different kinds of podcasts that are coming out on your feeds. Sin? Well, we're most long. <laughs> Sophie knows where I'm going Just get with it this. out of your system. Just get it out of your system so we can move on with our lives. We're most known for our five-part analysis of season one of Kateki <laughs> Hitman Reborn. But on the side, we also do some Bloodborne, Dark Souls, Elden Ring, Soulsborne content, mm. as well as cryptids and horror stuff. We're also going to start doing some more anime stuff because we haven't for a while. Yeah. yeah. Oh, awesome. This is a great segue. Um, and yeah. I know I really enjoyed you did a, a recent podcast about maybe it's back on Patreon or something, but um, about like kind of your history as uh, with JSF and stuff. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I'm really looking oh, forward you. to uh, you alluded to maybe a pre Snack Covenant Sinclair lore uh, episode as well. So this is so funny because. Sophie has the same face I have right now. We record so many things, we don't remember that. But thank you for reminding us. <laughs> what's what's uh, JSF? Oh, JSF is my old channel. That's how Sin met me. But like, I ca- it's like this horrible albatross around my neck that I cannot shake. <laughs> uh, just this constant like churn of like 4chan and Reddit people wanting me to go back to it because it's like serious gaming stuff and i'm like it's not happening but. <laughs> so so when i brought it up we're breathing more life into it <laughs> yeah, yeah oh it's no it's the, every single time we meet someone and they don't know what that means i'm so relieved <laughs> <laughs> thank you Brian. i have not touched that thing for like three years no like five five something ridiculous and people when you're coming back <laughs> uh, can i ask a uh a redirecting uh another warm-up question certainly so are there cryptids that are unique to Australia or Canada? There are. Sin, Sin has demanded we cover the fearsome critters of the lumberwoods at the moment. The mm-hmm. ones that the uh, North American and Canadian blacksmiths were blacksmiths. What am I saying? <laughs> yes, the North American yes. blacksmiths up in the mountains. North American Blacksmiths Association, my favorite union. My brain is fried. What were they called? Lumberjacks. Right. I'm very sorry. I've slept four <laughs> hours a night for the last three days. It's like we're on brand because those are like the last popular cryptids that no one knows about. <laughs> but yeah, there, there are quite a few Australian cryptids that we, we did. We talked about bunyips once. Oh my God, bunyips. I know yeah. about bunyips. Excellent. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, there's lore about bunyips in uh, Werewolf the Apocalypse, which is like a Vampire the Masquerade uh, yeah. style. We also <laughs> played Vampire the Masquerade. Yeah. <laughs> this is the problem when you've done like 300 episodes in one year. Yeah. It, it's just, it's very confusing. You just churn stuff out. It's amazing. And one day we'll make something good. <laughs> like just just by chance, you know, it's like the, it's the monkeys you know? typing on the typewriters. This is a thousand monkeys working at a thousand typewriters. Soon, they'll have written the greatest novel known to man. It was the best of times. It was the blurst of times. You stupid monkey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Brian, do you have any anime news this week? Uh, we had a few anime deaths in the industry. That was sad. Oh, 
Is Nishigori safe? <laughs> Nishigori's okay. Okay, good. The creator of Golgo 13 uh, passed away last week. Oh, that was a big bummer. Oh. Yeah. Man, did I just bring everybody down? Uh, what's something good? <laughs> ah, it's fine. We got to have a roller coaster. We got to, you know. Yeah, and I have some good like... news. Well, not <gasps> good news. But oh. you mentioned... <laughs> You mentioned that anime, and Sophie thinks that Reborn is based on that. So big thank you to that anime for making Reborn. There, there is a Reborn episode with a series of Golgo 13 references. Oh, I, sus- I suspect it was more influential in Japan. Satoshi Kon, uh, he slipped in some references to Golgo 13 and Paprika, I think. For, for the uninitiated, what, what is Google 13? Like, can you give a summary of it, Brian? Prime hitman or assassin? I don't know exactly. Or I guess I put you on the spot, but if anyone, it's about it's about an assassin who's got a custom in M16. Do you know? I actually know someone who would tell you, who can like perfectly tell you what Golgo 13 is. Mm. Yeah, you want to hear? Yeah. yeah. What? Hey Google, what's <laughs> Golgo 13? <laughs> According to Wikipedia. Golgo 13 is a Japanese manga series written and illustrated by Takao Saito, published in Shogakukan Seinen Manga Magazine Big Comics since October 1968. The series. Okay, Google, that's enough. Thank you, Google. (laughs) (laughs) Even wanting more. (laughs) Last time on Wife Swap 2, look who's swapping now. Mitsuru dreamt of Hiro and a promise they once made about piloting together. Futoshi asked for a shoehorned-in forever promise, which Koko agreed to, then dashed to pieces about 10 minutes later while advocating for her own needs. Mitsuru caught Kokoro playing with a doll, and the secretive allure between them grew. Zero Two remained closed about the feeling she is struggling with, while Hiro tried the same old tactic of asking how she felt, learning nothing about Zero Two or himself in the process. Nana gave the pilots a chance to swap partners temporarily, or permanently. She was a little iffy on those details. Each of the pairs spoke privately, and each failed to discuss the matter at hand. Kokoro and Ikuno stunned everyone with their choices of Mitsuru and Ichigo, respectively. Despite Ikuno's desire and bravery, Ichigo just couldn't get in the mood. However, Koksuru turned out to be a compatible pair, and my favorite ship name so far. A bigger, badder, more collectivized Klaxosaur showed up, which will be affectionately known as Table Bear. Hiro tugged on Zero Two's reins as her level of Klaxo bloodlust began scaring him and endangering the rest of the team. Kokoro and Mitsuru experienced a moment of crisis, almost resulting in Kokoro stampeding solo, but Futoshi and Ikuno shielded them, providing breathing room for the whole team to regroup, retaliate, and rescue the plantation once again. Will the new pilot pairs continue to connect? Will we get any more interesting Klaxo concepts like Table Bear and Zerg Overlord but with explosions? Whatever happened to that Kawaru-looking asshole? Let's find out. Uh, does yours... I don't think mine. Ben, does yours have the Funimation logo? I don't. Okay, mine doesn't either. So anyone who has the Funimation logo, if you put it to, I think, seven seconds, it should be the first frame of the actual episode. So, so if you multiply out those seven seconds of the Funimation logo by the amount of people that have like watched it, like how many human lives do you think we're at now that have been spent? <laughs> just how many people has here. marketing killed? <laughs> do you think we're up to like 80 years of people watching the Funimation logo? <laughs> yeah, it really adds up. All right. So three, two, one, play. 
Everyone's so focused. So are we just watching this, or are we supposed to be talking? <laughs> If anybody says anything great, uh, I keep it in, but if uh, people don't have anything to say, I just cut all the audio out. Cool, cool. (laughs) Low stress, easy peasy. Was that like just a a cold open with the snow and stuff, or is that something I've forgotten from the last episode? No, cold open. Yeah. Literally. (laughs) See, like that would stay in, Sophie. I noticed the hex patterns a lot rewatching it. Mm. I think it's supposed to be evocative of a plant cell. Oh, because I was talking to Sin about it, and she was like, "It's a honey yeah. and it might be, but like considering all the plant imagery that's throughout it, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. If it isn't Nine Iota, oh my God, the feuding clan showed up. Quite the coincidence, running into you. I thought this might be your favorite character, Sin. <laughs> I hate them all equally. <laughs> <laughs> what we learned from reading the way. comments is everyone hates Ichigo. If you want, I, can let you uh, I love Ichigo. Yeah. <laughs> I think people just love Zero Two, two and they're like, you're getting yeah. away. And you're like, oh yeah. my god. <laughs> well, there's this, this whole thing where like Zero Two says, yeah, by the way, like, right now, I'm gonna kill Hero. I'm <laughs> just sucking his life force out. Are you sure? Yes. So I think I think she's justified. Yeah. There's strange symbols above all the doorways. Does anybody recognize them? Mm. No. Except that it looks like a sprout, like a plant, which makes sense, right? If it's the garden, mm. that's where you sprout your new uh, soldiers. Yeah, yeah. It's the same as uh, Final Fantasy VIII. That was also child soldiers growing up in a garden. Yeah, and now I want the garden to like lift off into the air and become their first airship. <laughs> Um, also, like Final Fantasy VIII, they all knew each other and then had their memory space. <laughs> this is like I made it in high school. I uh, like I had just finished playing Final Fantasy VIII and watching Evangelion. I think you like uh, you write it in the future and then you send the yeah. manuscript back in time that makes to sense. Nishigori. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It's the Ouroboros. Okay, let's get into this. So we okay. have this cold open. Literally, they're coming back to the garden where it all began which is the name of the episode aptly enough this is very unusual as they find out uh later in the episode parasites never ever come back to the garden once a parasite leaves the garden they never return to it again Uh, and the only reason that they're back is because uh they want to perform maintenance tests on zero two and they call it tests but then later her horns are bigger. So like something is happening beyond like testing your abilities or testing your functionality. Uh, Speculation. Like, are they trying to get more control over zero two? Cause we can see later there's a new generation of younger pilots getting a more severe form of conditioning to be more obedient pilots. Yeah. I mean, so it seems to me, Alex, like you're implying that they, they did something to increase zero twos like sarification or whatever they call it towards mm. the end of the episode, right? And maybe that's why she's opposed to getting the tested. But the way they say it, they make it sound like it's something that's just like happening through her pairing with with Hero that is like making both of them become more like the Klaxosaurs or whatever. Yeah, I think they do something to her because I don't know, maybe she's on that downward spiral, but it seems like there's a dramatic change in tone in this episode, right? Whereas before she was like 
draping herself over him and doing this whole like push pull thing. Now it's like, you know, bordering on assault. I mean, and then it becomes assault, like literally. Mm-hmm. Okay. So correct me if I'm wrong, Brian, mm-hmm. but like this drives me crazy because I think, yeah, towards the end of the episode, we do get this line about sorification, but I don't think that term ever comes up again. Uh, there's an image where they're showing these body scans and there's this weird blue stuff. I couldn't tell if they're talking about zero two or hero. Isn't it both of them side by side? Mm. Yeah. There's like, and like one is way more blue than the other. And mm-hmm. I just assumed that's like one zero two is she's going completely blue. And then mm. hero is like partially blue because he's got some of her blood. It's blue. Gotta get that blood. <laughs> okay. So there's this ringed city. And the entire thing is this garden complex. Uh, There's different kind of like dormitories where the children are brought up and also tested and given all of these uh, medical. Oh, I guess the medical procedures. That's what happens in that central tower called the lab. Right. Very imposing. Uh, And it is like a horn. I mean, we have, you know, this recurring horn imagery, but it matches Strelitzia's single horn, and it also matches these unicorn or Kirin claxosaurs that we're going to have coming up. Yeah. So there's a lot of little things that go really quickly in, in this opening. So we get a picture of the garden. Uh, my first impression, it looked like a Petri dish to me. Uh, but then I noticed like the little river going through it reminded me of this weird crack, I guess I always thought it was like on the symbol for whatever their civilization is, that that bird thing. Oh, the bird? Oh, hey. Uh, taking a closer look, though, uh, the Lamarck HQ has a strange design on their ceiling, uh, and it's also a similar design that shows up on their flags, and I guess it's the garden. It reminded me of a, a map of, like, ley lines. Right. Uh, which uh, has not come up in this anime, but it comes up in a lot of animes. If anybody doesn't know what that is, uh, it could just be um, lines connecting megalithic structures on the planet, or it could be like energy flows uh, around any biological organisms uh, biofield. So do you think that the symbol looks like the garden, or do you think the garden looks like the symbol? Because I feel like they would have made the symbol and then they would have designed the garden based off that symbol. Well, I mean, the garden has a natural structure. The river is like what got me looking at it more closely. And also just just the recurring image of things being divided. It's like the river is dividing. Yeah, I, I meant to say I shared the image in the chat. I don't know if everybody saw that pop up. Oh, you know, that 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 does definitely, that looks like it's been in like the lake sort of area because it's just, it's just a perfect circle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, just one other little bit of trivia when... Uh, Zero twos just pulling books off the shelf, assuming that they're at the garden, like maybe rating a new source of books. There's one on the floor. I'm going to butcher the German. Gets van Blumen uh, means the poetry of flowers. Uh, maybe that's what Kokoro saw that got her started on her path. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we learn they go inside the actual building and that's when they talk about zero two talks about tests that she doesn't want to do them. But before that, we learn that Mitsuru and Hiro are the only ones out of the squad that went to the lab. So even in this special squad, they are singled out from the rest. 
I don't know if that's supposed to just like hammer home because, you know, like here is the main character. His name is fucking hero. You're like, OK, obviously he's like special. He's yeah. this like but he's also kind of bland so he can be kind of a blank slate. Like yeah. a lot of the uh, these, you know, uh, uh, protagonists. But I thought this was just like, OK, out of all of them, there's two that have been to the lab. And out of those two, one is very sickly. So like heroes, yeah. the real deal, baby. Yeah. So is, is at this point, does hero know? that he's got gaps in his memory like he knows that he was a special test subject but he no i think this is the first episode where he says something like wait huh right it's like why the hell did they compare notes earlier like goro knows you know that he's been taken off and poked and prodded <laughs> but i don't know goro knows all. maybe it's just something that doesn't come up in natural conversation i mean they've got the built-in excuse that everyone's been completely indoctrinated so this is normal. That's true. Uh, we talked uh, in an earlier episode about their missing language for intimacy, mm. uh, physical contact. Uh, but while they're in this lobby space, that's when we get our first confrontation with the whole nine squad. Mm-hmm. And like, I love their design. Unlike the other Frank squads, like 26 that we saw, they have unique characters to designs, just like mm. our Frank squad. Well, three, three of them are the same, though. Yes. <laughs> and they all it. have muzzles on. <laughs> yeah. Like ha- fucking Hannibal Lecter masks. Mm. Like, what's up with that? <laughs> uh, very thought-provoking for me. Yeah. But they're all, probably because they didn't want to pay any voice actors uh, yet <laughs> for them, they are all silent. And they all just back up whatever Alpha is going to say. And Alpha is the Kawaru-looking motherfucker who is very playful and wants to get under their skin somehow, especially Ichigo, because Ichigo is kind of his counterpart part, right? Uh, They're both like the captains of the team. Um, And so he even offers, he's very flattering. He's like, oh my gosh, Zero Two or Iota is doing so well over there. And if you ever wanted me to pilot so with someone, you know, I would pilot with anyone. And she, Ichigo says, we only have the attic for you. So I don't think that would... Uh, fit with your bourgeoisie affect. So, something I noticed, uh, what was that last squad that we saw where everyone was very kind of similar and... 26. 26. Yeah, so so I mean, there they all had like kind of dark hair or black hair or something like that. And then this squad is all like purple and blue and, and kind of like these kind of brilliant, unnatural colors of hair. So it's kind of a big, a big contrast between those two two other squads we've seen now you also have one unisex uniform Hmm. oh do they that's awesome right because they don't have a coat on but even their under shirt is like oh that's awesome i didn't notice thank you yeah so for the super geeks uh nine alpha uh has a striking resemblance to a character from an old 70s manga anime cyborg 009 Oh, right. And they are the nines. uh, And their leader is nine alpha. A little bit more obscure is nine gamma, who is the one with the maroon hair. Uh, Nine gamma sports a very specific hairstyle of the wakashu, which would be like young lovers to uh, samurai or the emperor, people with power. Like a young male concubine? Yeah. Very cool. So... They are going to undergo these tests, but we get this quick scene where Hero finds Zero Two in the library 
And we've already seen that Zero Two has been like tearing through these books, trying to find the one book she's looking for, maybe. Mm -hmm. This time he, well, actually, this time he does the same fucking thing. He does the same (laughs) tactic again, which is tell me how you feel. This time literally shaking her, right? And she says essentially the same thing. No, like, let's make out instead. Let's fuck. Let's not talk about what's going on with me. And in Hero's defense, her mouth is very wide when she goes in for the kiss. Uh, I don't know how you're going to start a kiss that way. I mean, you can move to that. But anyways. So this is her shield, right? Mm -hmm. Like last episode, she didn't want to talk about her feelings. She said we can understand each other just fine piloting Streletzia. Hero wants to connect again. This is all she has to give. Or this is what she thinks it means to be intimate. I don't know. I should stop saying she because... Zero two uses masculine pronouns, which if we back up a little bit, as much as we all hate nine alpha, nine alpha uses masculine pronouns when talking about zero two. Right. Oh, interesting. I think there is another, I mean, this is spoilersy, but you know, I, I admitted the last time that I'd gotten a little bit ahead and I feel like there's another reason why she might use the, the masculine pronoun, right? There's five reasons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I lost what I was saying. Uh, well, well, you were talking about how she uses like her physicality as, as like a shield from emotional. Interest. Yeah. Uh, so, but wait, 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 let's, let's, let's solve this though. Uh, so should we be referring to zero two as he, I think so. Zero oh. two uses masculine pronouns. Oh, it doesn't translate like in the dub. Right. I, I was watching the subtitled one. On yeah. Crunchyroll. Boku. Yeah. Boku's the masculine. Boku. Yeah. She's like, Boku a darling mm. constantly. Yeah. yeah. Even her, her voice that's represented in the theme song is also Boku no. Right. Yeah. So, so we mentioned the that book already, right? The Beast and the Prince. Yeah, no, Beast, the Beast and the Prince. Prince. And and I think one of the early passages from that has that boku. And that's like as she's learning to speak, right? Mm-hmm. So I interpret it maybe as like she kind of has her own self-taught language or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Also, like I'm possibly not doing this correctly, but according to a friend of mine in the Japanese dub of My Little Pony, uh, Rainbow Dash uses Boku. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. That's like beautiful. <laughs> Bra- Brian to Brony. I am. I was at the last ever Brony Con. Oh, my God. It was magical. <laughs> <laughs> you don't say. That's wonderful. Okay. So now I feel like. <laughs> e for zero two now. I'm going to do my best. I mean, if I was doing it in, if I was speaking Japanese, I could say Bokuno, but now I'm okay. All right. So he, all right, we're going to try this. Uh, So zero two does not want these tests. And based on Hiro and Goro talking, they're not getting the same kinds of tests. They were like, yeah, this was easy. I don't even know what they were really asking me. It's like they, I imagine they just like brought him into a room and said like, make these blocks look like these blocks. But uh, Zero Two ends up, and this is not the first time we've seen her, yeah. like, uh, like superhumanly assault these guards, right? Mm-hmm. Like, pushes one into the ground and is like, I will kill this guy. You need to back off. Yeah, uh, they have to sedate him, right? They shoot the dart. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're- because he falls unconscious. That's when we go into the flashback. Mm-hmm. So Ichigo and Hiro are talking about this book. They've just read it. Uh, the Golden Bow, uh, a study in magic and comparative religion. And Hiro gets one thing out of it. And that's the symbolism of the holy tree. Golden Bow is like Celtic, I think. Oh, wow. But that's also like got a lot of world tree stuff in there. It's a lot of cross-pollination. A lot of um, nature worship or maybe like recognizing people's place in nature as like not separate from it. Yeah. Which is interesting because like it's such a grab bag because it's that, but it's also like there's this recurring Garden of Eden thing going on where it's like the children are like innocent in the garden and they don't know anything about sex. And then suddenly it's introduced. Mm. Of course. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I didn't even put that together. Okay. I'm a true fan. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the the golden bow also deals with like the relationship between myth and religion. Uh, I think the warning is like be careful what your myths are because you know it's going to inevitably form cosmology uh, that's going to govern more than maybe it was intended. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what was it. What was Hero's takeaway from this thing? Is the tree. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. He's like, yeah. he got the symbolism okay. of the tree. Um, yeah. which maybe so like little things are supposed to spark differences in this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you know, they're an experiment, they're brought together by Franks, but there's kind of this casting the stone into the pond and the ripples form imagery, or at least I think, especially with these flashback scenes, mm-hmm. these like isolated incidents that have groundbreaking uh effects on their young personalities forming okay um and so maybe this particular book even though it was like something maybe overlooked by ape and papa because it doesn't seem like it would be part of their regular curriculum it's not useful to them for combat or indoctrination it's actually talking about like the structure of belief Mm -hmm. right so it's actually like fuel against indoctrination yeah but in this book they or the thing he takes away is this uh myth or symbol about uh, the oneness of the tree and the earth and people. And so I didn't think about this, the plantations, they're like ticks, like moving across the surface of the world, <laughs> right. like totally parasitic, not part of nature. Everything is cordoned off. So he, they are taking this little tidbit, which is antithetical to the civilization they're about to join. Yeah. And that, that's also like, that's the, the previous one. Is it the previous episode or the one before that where they oh no it's ten where um Zorame goes to the city? Oh city, yeah, yeah. City and it's so distinct from everything and everything has to be disinfected and mm. everyone's like in pods and stuff, yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And they get that, oh, the power plant has the hexagon. Yeah, the hexagon. Uh, we, we talked about so that. Plant I don't know. Yeah, the plant cell hmm. thing going on. Yeah. I love puns. <laughs> <laughs> It's so interesting. We had such different takeaways from the Golden Bow. Um, mm. We've established we all here know the book, The Beast and the Prince, right? It's my favorite children's book. <laughs> like we know it later. We don't know it in this episode. We know it exists. Okay. Should I save this for a spoiler? We don't section? get the synopsis until it. Yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, I cannot believe that Beast and the Prince is not buyable. No one has made, no one has Etsy stored up a physical copy of it. That, that's baffling to me. I know. I think it was in the booklet for the deluxe 
release standalone need a standalone yeah. all right nishigori if you're listening <laughs> we've got a market oh i i know i there was a question i had for everybody uh is everyone familiar with is a Jack, japanese folktale uh the red ogre who cried it, it comes no up clue. in a in a few different anime so really quick there's a red oni or ogre if you will uh that wants to be friends with these human kids and the, the red ogre has a lot of nice things to offer red ogre can make these really cool sweet pastries but the kid, the human kids are too freaked out. And then Blue Ogre says, Blue Ogre has one single horn. Red Ogre has two horns. Says, hey, we can do this thing where I'll go and bully and scare these kids. And then you, Red Ogre, can swoop in and save the day. And it works. And the kids are like, yay, Red Ogre, you're one of us now. And then Red Ogre's like, huh, I haven't seen Blue Ogre in a long time. What's going on? Goes over to Blue Ogre's cave and there's the note. It's like, hey, I'm so glad everything worked out. But if they ever find out what we did, that'll be the end of it. So I have to go away. And it was like really sad because <laughs> like Red Ogre had the thing that Red Ogre wanted to begin with, yeah, this unconditional yeah. like uh, friendship and traded it for something that was very conditional mm. that is really familiar now and i'm like i feel like i've seen this in some anime like was that an alum that we watched no it was in same uh, uh time frame for us it was in uh tokyo godfathers um, which i don't bring up because we recorded an episode and interviews and i never edited it and it is my <laughs> personal shame that it's still all sitting on my computer <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Hana tries to do the red ogre. She tries to play the blue ogre. But uh, there's, a, there's a lighter expression of it in so many different anime. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Samurai Champloo. Like Mugen is red-coated. Can't remember his buddy rival's name is blue-coated. Yeah, and then the personalities are similar too. Uh, the red one is always like charismatic, a little, little wild and loose and crazy. And the blue one is more calculated and like long-term vision planning. So, so Ichigo, the blue ogre? Who's the blue ogre? I think Hero's blue ogre. Hero's blue, blue ogre. He's a reader. Aren't we all a little blue ogre in the end? Hmm. I'm, I'm, wow. a, I'm a little red ogre. Okay, good. I remember I brought this up with Sin a long time ago, and she's like, that's us. <laughs> yeah. she, she is the red one. I am the blue one. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the same dynamic uh, comes up in uh, clowning tradition. There's red nose and pale face. Red nose yeah. uh, does something chaotic and then pale face admonishes them for it. And then the audience gets to enjoy both. Well, so if this is directly based on that myth, Hero is going to sacrifice himself and the other kids are finally going to take in Zero Two. What if Hero's not the Blue Ogre? You just told me he was. I don't know. <laughs> You're the one that said you watched ahead. <laughs> I think Hero is going to don a Scooby-Doo style costume and he's going to scare the other parasites into liking Zero Two. Uh, Hero's to blend for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's too spicy a plan for Hero. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want Alex to get mad at me, so I'm not going to comment anymore about who, who might so be furious. the blue ogre you'll feel my blue ogre <laughs> <laughs> so have you not actually like watched beyond this point yet 
Uh, I've watched ahead like maybe three episodes. From oh, okay. we're at. yeah. But I, I don't care. I like, I just want to know now. I just, God, I can't take it anymore. Sin and I didn't know what episode we were doing, so we watched the whole thing. No, we're pretending yeah. not to know. But, <laughs> no, but we've forgotten. <laughs> so it was like six months ago. Well, I mean, yeah, genuinely, I forgot the plot. Like, <laughs> they explain it later, but it gets so convoluted. I'm like, I'm over it. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so Hero decides to be a rebel, and then everyone follows him. So he's not quite a rebel, more of a trendsetter. Uh, everyone goes to the lab, and you're not supposed to go there, but there are no security precautions. No one asks for ID, nothing. They find that, so in addition to this thing that Mitsuru took called Elixir, there are also just parasite injections. So like the kids are being given injections that like the adults never got, right? So right. something's changing. It might be even changing like their physiology. Who knows? Ye- yellow blood cells, they say, right? Yeah, yeah. Yellow blood cells. Weird. We get we got a few funny little things here. Uh, some of the other pilots have some memory flashes, right? And this is the only time we see young Futoshi. I hate how much Futoshi looks like me in high school. Oh, <laughs> it's it's really eerie. That's awesome. I think Futoshi looks like Nishigori. <gasps> oh wow! <laughs> yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah. All right. So there's a nice little Futoshi moment. Kokoro bumps into him, and she feels all awkward. Because, you know, she switched. But Futoshi's like, cool. He's like, it's all right. It's like he's, yeah, he's accepted it. He's, he's okay. He yeah. moved on. He's got an episode's worth of distance, which, uh, yeah. you know, could be forever. So I'm monitoring our timeline. We are actually only two weeks from last episode. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And in this episode, they say, like, they talked about days before, but they put it in stark terms. They've been... They haven't been back here for six months, which means they've only been Frank's pilots for six months, mm-hmm. yeah. which means they've only been like uh preteen or like teenagers for six months, because before that they were all like their entire life was uh, uh, regulated here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is also our first clue, I think, about some sort of accelerated growth that might be happening. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so these kids are getting shot at an earlier age than our parasites did. And we get another adult uh, and it seems like every adult we meet says some version of that's impossible, of course. And this adult, strangely enough, like, I, I don't know, I'm, I like this show, so I'm willing to spend a lot of disbelief. But this whole interaction is like, let me tell you something and then I'll tell you you're not supposed to be here. And then I'll answer another question of yours. It's very strange, right? It could be that they just lack certain social skills or situational awareness because they're not like us. I am very generous with this show. <laughs> it's probably just <laughs> shitty writing, to be honest. Like this scene that we're talking about. Yeah. Once a child leaves, they never come back. Well, except for you, right. Squad 13. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and, yeah. and, the, and nines. the nines and zero two. <laughs> but no one else. So 20 kids. But, <laughs> but, but I mean, like, like they think sh- she's back there and like living there or something like that. Yeah. I, f- I feel like the point was like, that's not a thing. Like people don't yeah. come back and like stay here. Um. So Hero ditches everybody, walks out on his own, finds this tree, this mystical experience. It's a mistletoe. 
Uh, Hero has this experience. He says he doesn't think they're going to become adults. We should know that by now as uh, uh, the audience, because there's a bit of dramatic irony going on. Yeah. Kokoro, while Hero's gone, asks everyone where babies come from, which, uh, like, I understand her point is not to ask them. Her point is to be like, hey, how come we don't know where what any of this happens? Like, how come we're not, we don't even have a story about it? We just have an yeah. assumption that the adults yeah. did it. But no one has an answer for her, obviously. Yeah. Um, and then a uh, quick little, another quick little scene, which I loved, which was Ichigo and Alpha. So they start like face to face talking to each other. And then Alpha like passes her uh, slowly, but almost like one of those like samurai crosses where they've like hit the blade and you don't know which one took a hit and then speaks to her uh, with his back towards her. And then at one point, it looks like they're like a chessboard, like a knight's move away from each other, which... I don't know if that was all I was supposed to get out of that, but it seemed pretty cool to me. Wow, you really like this show. (laughs) I I had an observation about this interaction. So Nine Alpha kind of like outclasses Ichigo in terms of like these mental games. Mm. Nine Alpha tells the truth about uh, Zero Two, like over a hundred pilots he's killed. But Nine Alpha does not offer any context what we gather from like Nana and Frank's talking, like there's pilots that are lining up to pilot with zero two. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you know, zero two does have problems, but <laughs> nine alpha is trying to create division and nine alpha succeeds, I think. Yeah. So then we get our, our Klaxo Klaxon. We get our warning. They're going to go out into the field. We have these unicorn looking Klaxosaurs uh, mm-hmm. also kind of look like Kieran, uh, sometimes in the Japanese tradition, Kieran have a single horn like that, and it's usually like curved back. This is kind of like two segmented, but it still has that kind of curving back effect. What What is a Kieran? Uh, they're basically a unicorn. Oh, we talked about Sekiro before. Did, did you ever fight the guy whose name was Giraffe? Yes. Yeah, because a, a Kieran is like it's like an nth times removed description of a giraffe, kind of. Oh. So the name, the word for Kieran and Giraffe is the same. So there ended up being this Sekiro character who's meant to be this like, like sort of otherworldly majestic guy called Kieran, but they just translated him as Giraffe. And it's like, what? <laughs> and he's all weird looking. He's got googly yeah. eyes and blades yeah. everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Right. But a, a Kieran is just, it's basically like a unit, it's like an Asian equivalent of a unicorn. Okay. Mm. So not it's just like a, a shitty majestic bear. horse. But yeah. I, yeah, I just c- connected that that's the logo yeah, they, on they the... They have a Kieran on the logo. Yeah. 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 Right. Uh, yeah. But they're, uh, they're symbols of good tidings. They yeah. are supposed to be, much like unicorns, they're supposed to be very gentle, except that they punish evildoers. And in this, we see that, I mean, obviously, Zero Two is killing them, but they focus their attentions on Zero Two, mm-hmm. try to attack Zero Two in a group which is uh, our Strelitzia in a group, which is smart because uh, he is boosting ahead of the rest of the Franks, not working as a unit. So if we're talking about Keating, unicorns, someone probably just said it and I zoned out and just did. What do they symbolize? What do they represent? Goodness, uh, respect for all life. So one of their things is that they uh, walk on clouds because if they walked on the grass, they would harm a living thing. Okay. Uh, so elusive, sure. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So maybe that's the connection. I mean, in Western culture, unicorns. I mean, there's an expression yeah. about chasing unicorns and startups. They're looking for the unicorn. Again, it's an elusive thing, but the implication it's like 
not real. Like, don't chase unicorns. Stop chasing your childhood. Stop chasing rosebud. If you could have found out that rosebud meant, I bet that would have explained everything. No, I don't think so. And, you know, Zero Two, he's literally chasing unicorns. Yeah. So maybe there's a couple things going on there. Hmm. Speaking of that, really quick, just another little bit of trivia that I meant to say at the beginning. Uh, in Japanese culture, snow can symbolize uh, love, but also death. Uh, the color white uh, also has that dual symbolism of love and death. Mm. There's many words for many things, but she can mean white and she can also mean death. Hmm. Very foreboding because we end this episode on a cliffhanger. So I did miss it, but Zero Two broke her mirror in this wonderful, like, uh, tense moment. And then it shatters in her hand. And you're like, how was yeah. she holding that, that it shattered <laughs> that way? But okay. All right. It's wonderful symbolism. And then after her, and this is after she's gone through her tests or, or maintenance, and uh, Hero notices that her horns have gotten bigger, which evokes like Hellboy to me because he would yeah. like file down his horns. I loved it. But they have two, we have two scenes of them killing Klaxosaurus, right? Um, the first one, she's off the rail. She's going too fast, too far, too much to the point where when they kill the last Klaxosaur, uh, Streletzia is completely out of power. Can't get back to base on its own. Then they come back and Hero has another scene with Zero Two where Zero Two assaults him, right? What, what are you saying is uh, the assault? Or did I just forget something? Oh, when something? she pins him to the ground and then bites him? Oh, 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 oh. Hero's been wandering around. He sees the tree. He's wondering, have I been here before? And he sees Zero Two's footprints in the snow, right? Mm. And there's drops of blood. And this is a callback to episode one. And, you know, he goes wandering off before the uh, welcoming ceremony and he sees the blood. He finds the bird. And this time he follows the trail to Zero Two, who is the injured bird now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also in that first episode, like she's in, she's in there and she's eating a fish, like mm. diving and grabbing like a predator. So is it snowing inside the dome? Yeah, that's what I. Yeah, they have yeah. Um, weather control technology because yeah. they also make it rain inside the dome earlier. Yeah. Mm. Well, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> you can control your weather and you still make it snow. <laughs> yeah, they're like this. This is symbolic. It has to snow. <laughs> We have to be close to death. It's just like a knob <laughs> with foreboding on it that they've turned off. <laughs> <sighs> All right. So we're at Hero Gets to Zero Two by the water. Yeah. Uh, and again, he doesn't have any other tactics. And he's like, I would tell me what's wrong with you. Like, we can't keep going like this. I need to know. Uh, so, so she says she wants to be human, right? And then he's like, why do you want to be human? Like, I like you who, for who you are. I don't care about your fangs or horns. When like earlier in this episode, he has clearly cared about <laughs> her fangs and horns, he keeps right? Yeah, yeah. And, and to me, I don't know. I feel like I'm more sympathetic to Zero Two in this episode than I feel like at least you are, Alex, it's kind of like she wants like actions like she's like prove it mm. like you can like say all these things you can like say that you're fine with this relationship but she's like no like put some action behind your words if you like care about me like kiss me oh no you're staring at my horns instead of kissing me like or my fangs mm. instead of kissing me yeah i think i need to side with ben on this there's a communication breakdown happening but it is not solely at zero two's feet uh, Zero Two is saying, 
the stuff about wanting to be human or whatever. And we know that that's not rational. And Hero is saying that doesn't matter to me. What Hero's missing is that it's important to her, mm-hmm. even if it's misguided or whatever. And that's the wrong response. All right, you've convinced me. You're right. And and as we're going to learn very soon, this doesn't come from nowhere. Like Zero Two is the uh, inheritor of a lot of trauma and, and the survivor of a lot of trauma. <sighs> but it is scary for Hero. Yeah. Hero kind of freaks out. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, like her her response to Hero isn't adaptive, right? Like this isn't going to make him (laughs) more comfortable with your like fangs when (laughs) this isn't the breakthrough moment. Yeah, (laughs) but we get one more scene before they go back into combat, and that's Zero Two breaking not just her mirror but all the mirrors. Um, And there's something viscerally symbolic about that, right? Like not wanting to see oneself. Mm. There's like. I don't know, hints of like disgust or remorse or it's just real hard. Um, This is my favorite scene of the episode. Uh, It's pretty short, but Mm -hmm. like the lighting is really sinister, you know, and and because because we've all watched ahead, like I I do want to like zero two. I want to be on his side. You know, I think we have all had moments in our lives with loved ones who were in a state for whatever reason, and you still love them, you still want to support them, but they do scare you in the moment. I have one question from the people that watch the dub at the end of the um, that scene with Hero in Zero Two. So in the sub, they translate this thing as like fodder. Like she says, you're my fodder. After all, you're nothing more than my fodder. Yes. Is that what is that what they say? The in the, okay. So I think that that word is also like what you would feed an animal or it can be like bait, like a lure on a, a fishing rod or something. And I was kind of confused by it. Like none of those words, I, I don't get exactly what she's trying to say. I mean, it sounds like it's just like disrespectful, like you're dispensable or something like that. I'm just using you for my purpose. But fodder was a little bit confusing to me. Yeah, I didn't know. I've never heard of the fodder word before. So I Googled it and it said like food, livestock. And I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Just like feeding on his life energy. There's also like cannon fodder, Mm. dispensable ground troops that you just like feed into the meat grinder Mm. of the battlefield. Yeah, I guess maybe that's where I'm more familiar with that term in English than than as like the animal feed. But, But I was thinking it was like, for the Klaxosaurs, but maybe it's for her. Like, mm. it would be for Zero too, because like she's literally trying to hate people. Mm. Yeah. So, because if the the book has like conditioned them, yeah. Yeah. The, in in that context, Hero would just be the latest in a long line of yeah. It's a literal man eater. Yeah. So b- before we move on from that, Zero Two was like escalating uh, by the water with Hero. Seems like he doesn't know the difference between love or sex uh but either way not getting either from hero probably felt like rejection probably a confirmation in his mind that he's a monster Mm. then we see the the scene the very violent scene in the is it the bathroom with all the mirrors Mm yeah yeah zero two's eyes are glowing red Uh, and it's just got to be confirmation to ichigo of what nine alpha was saying and then did this already happen? Uh, Ichigo overhearing Nana and Hachi talking about uh, the threat of like Hero becoming sorified or 
Oh, I didn't know who they were talking about, and I didn't notice that someone was overhearing something. But Ichigo is like, I don't think it's particularly well blocked. I think that's the issue. But like Ichigo mm. walks past as they're having the discussion. This is what we're talking about before, the very lax security. You <laughs> can have this like clandestine meeting that's like something out of Evangelion, but also the door is open. <laughs> and there's people wandering around outside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So sorification really sounds like a deviant. Yeah. But, but I think it's that. <laughs> this zero two speed of certification is increasing and then it's like he is also near the limit where he will become you know something other than than human yeah so it's ichigo's return to being concerned for hero's safety again yeah is it this episode or a later one it's around here because i I rewatched up to this point there's like a blue like on Ichigo, not Ichigo's body. I think body, it's on earlier. Body. Oh, much earlier. Yeah. See this, like, He's yeah, got the, the class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It leaves a scar. Uh, yeah, that cleared up after episode seven. Yeah, yeah. Um, the unicorn claxosaurs, the Kirin clax show up again. Uh, my question watching this was like, why is Squad 13 dealing with this? Like, the nines are there. Like, aren't they freaking amazing? They're above this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I wonder if, if if that was bad writing or if that was supposed to allude to something. No, I think Alpha would have been like, oh, they can take care of that because Alpha wants to push Zero Two over the edge. And probably wants to see them in action, too, I imagine. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, that makes sense. But uh, there was also a comment about uh, the Klaxosaurs had never been in this area before. They'd never come this mm. far north. Uh, and then I guess I was just speculating, like, is Zero Two somehow... Like she can sense them and is drawn towards them. Are they also sensing and drawing, being drawn towards her? Oh, zero two. Is he a beacon? You mean? Yeah. Huh. Neat. Yeah. Uh, then zero two is going like way overboard. Like is just seeing red. Yeah. Not just killing them, but like desecrating the mm-hmm. bodies. Right. Yeah. So even the yeah. eyes on Strelitzia turn red. Mm. Hero is trying to stop him. And that leads to this conflict. And then this was the thing I had a real question for everybody. Um, so the the red Oni spirit emerges. Um, is this Zero Two's real form, or is this something that's just happening because of the connection process that happens? And Hero starts to see things, the weird matrix swirly thing and flashes. Yeah. I guess my assumption was that like all pilots have that connection, like Pacific Rim. Yeah. Uh, but is that not the case? Or are people able to have some sort of privacy away from who them who they're partnering with? I, I pretty there's like a, a line in one of the earlier ones where they straight up say, like, I've lost the sense of where I start and you begin. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't Hero have had access to all of Zero Two's memories prior to this? I have a theory. Okay. So this energy oni red form that comes out of zero two there is this cruelty or viciousness to it right it's choking uh hero out but there is also this like innocence to it this like childlike glee in its eyes and it says like it says zero two is slumped over but this thing which is part of zero two perhaps says like 
I'm going to become human so I can finally meet my darling. This like repeated indoctrination, this thing that's gone over and over and over. So I think this is, uh, I think they're both the real zero two. I think this is like a younger version of zero two. Yeah. But but I don't think that, um, you know, just say like Kokoro and Futoshi, they don't know everything about each other, right? Like. Mm. Futoshi doesn't know Kokoro's thing for Mitsuru or yeah, there's some limits to that connection. I don't think it's as explicit as what we see with like Pacific Rim, which I guess is the template. If that Pacific Rim type of linkage was really possible, no one in that universe would have any unresolved emotions at all. Like you'd be able to sync with like a therapist or just someone who didn't (laughs) have trauma and like you'd get all that childhood shit resolved because you have access to all of your shadow in that context. And this feels more, I guess what, like how Ben's perspective is that it's a degree. And I don't even know if it's like only accessing what's on the surface. Cause that episode when like the plug suits started dissolving, the pistols didn't know. (laughs) And I'm sure it was on (laughs) at least Zorome Futoshi Goro's minds. Yeah. Uh, So there's, there's something fuzzy and gray there, but you know, like, just like us, like, we don't know everything about ourselves. We don't know what our subconscious minds are thinking. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Like I, I was watching it and like in my head, obviously I'm comparing it to Evangelion because it's kind of hard to escape. Mm-hmm. And like, like one of the things about Evangelion is famously like it was not really planned out. It mm-hmm. sort of evolved naturally over time because like, and I'm not trying to be glib here, but like the guy that made it was really messed up. And like, it's basically his depression diary as a mecha show. But like, The thing about Frank's, like, it's touching on the same material, but it feels like they're a little, they're so in control and everything is so planned out that it weirdly feels a bit more artificial. Like, we've talked a bit about the exposition that's happened in this episode, and it's Mm -hmm. like, it does come across very much as, like, they had an outline that's like, in this episode, we have to mention the following things, and they've had to stick to it, even though it's getting into all this weird, like, psychological stuff. Like that sure. sort of I think doesn't quite have room to breathe because they're a little too shackled to this story that's been planned out. Mm-hmm. So do you think they had the stuff planned out up to a point and then had nothing planned out? <laughs> it does seem like they hadn't like if there's an outline and they seem to be sticking to the outline and when it starts getting weird, it's sort of like back to the outline. And it gets a little like it's like being pulled in two different directions. So we're having these discussions about like the exact mechanics of connecting with someone in a Franks, mm-hmm. which we would not be having in a Vangelion because they're just straight up like they're really like it, it's just entirely psychological at this point. Mm. Like it doesn't have to follow rules. It's just entirely based on someone's like subjectivity. Right. Sophie, I don't know what it was you said exactly, but it made me think that Trigger and A1 are the red and blue Oni. Trigger is the oh. red Oni that wants the kids right. to like it. Yeah. And A1 <laughs> A1 has to do all this work to make sure this works mm. out. Wow. <laughs> this is like Trigger planned it, but A1 made it. Is that basically what happened? Uh, a lot of collaboration, like a yeah, lot of creative yeah. content from both sides. Like I think each studio has episodes that they are the lead on right but it's supposed to be everything was collaborative yeah so that is it for the episode although we do get the the ending uh uh, narration is uh heroes and hero says uh, uh, a girl with red skin 
and blue blood filled with hatred for the world. And we saw this image of this little uh, red person in the first episode. It's our first cold open. We see like Mm -hmm. one shot of this red person with the horns in front of a bunch of Klaxosaurs. I will say that's the best the Klaxosaurs have ever looked in that one quick shot. Uh, I think that must have been Hu Kei's original concept art, because, man, they definitely went in another direction after that. Yeah. If our listeners like anime that deals with, like, psychosexual messages, yeah. uh, what would be something you'd recommend them to watch? Oh, God, I just realized there was something I didn't mention, so I'll mention it now. There is a movie that this reminded me so much of. It's from 2009 called Skycrawlers. Have any of you seen that? Sounds so familiar. It's oh my a, god, it's wait. a Mamoru Oshii. Is, oh my god, it's Mamoru Oshii. Yes, yes. Oh so that is pretty much the same. Um, there's, it's like the sex is not played up, but it's like it's the same thing of like there's these children that are constantly forced to fight in a war, and like they don't, they have like they're cordoned off, they don't understand reality, and like when they die, they're replaced with clones of themselves. And it's the same question of like, you know, will I become an adult? Like, what can I do? There's this almost zero to like character who's like, I sort of broke the thing. And like, there's questions about like sterility and childbirth. And like, it was like a more focused version of what Franks is doing minus the like, I mean, it's a lot of sex and scars, but minus that, because it's just hyper focused on like the existential questions. Uh-huh. So there's this whole, it's like, it's only about two hours long, I think, but there's like whole just scenes of people in silhouette discussing like what it means to be human. It's also, it's got the dogfight scenes are incredible. Like I, I, I was really lucky. I got to see that on a big screen. At a oh, festival. wow. Nice. Yeah. But like, it, it looks incredible. And like sky yeah, crawlers. So, yeah. This yeah. is an awesome recommendation. Yeah. Yeah. And it completes my thesis statement. So I kept trying to find a way to call the Franks pilots uh, undead from Dark Souls or link one of them to Gale from the Ringed City. (laughs) But now we have an anime that's like this, except they get replaced by clones when they die. Yeah. Ah! All right. This is perfect. Okay. This has been an awesome day. Thanks for indulging all my questions. Oh, thank you for asking. No, it's been really interesting. Because like like you said, most of the discourse around this is just like, Oh, fuck robots problematic and then stops yeah. there yeah yeah well, can i make a recommendation I, just really since we're sure at, uh there's an anime i just watched called scum's wish it's a 12 yeah. episode thing start to end there's no robots there's no sci-fi it's just high schoolers that confuse love and sex and they can't tell the oh, difference okay. and they right. destroy each other's lives uh it deals a lot with sexuality uh, i would right. say that there are actual, well, it's not graphic sex scenes. These people actually yeah. have sex, but none yeah, of it yeah. is tantalizing. All of it is sad. Uh, right. It's a very dark, like, tragedy. But right. the inner dialogue of the characters is very articulate, and you know exactly the terrible things that they're thinking. But, of course, what they speak out loud is a train wreck. I was yeah. just Googling it, and it says the manga was published by Square Enix, which I didn't <gasps> realize they do mangas. They do everything. They yeah. become a conglomerate, like Bandai Namco. Mm-hmm. Okay. Pen. Pen. Pals. Darling. Darling. Thanks, everybody. Alex awesome. can do it in post. Yeah, right. I do everything in post.
All right, so should we do some spoilers? No, 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 no. We gotta do sign-offs. We can do them in either order. It doesn't matter. Let's do them at the same time. Oh my. <laughs> no, no one. You're always looking for synthesis. <laughs> okay. You can't just be Ono all the time. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> you said you had notes. Take it away, Brian. Ah, all right. So Klaxosaurus have never been up to the garden before. Uh, why are they here now? Zero twos here. Even just me watching it for the first time, I wondered about that. If she was a, he was a beacon. You know, we find out later that uh, Zero Two's material that he was grown from come from uh, the Claxosaur Queen. <gasps> Is it so? So that's a little bit Evangelion, right? That's like what's it called? Barry Lilith. Ray. Lilith. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's like the weapon created by the the forbidden thing that now is bringing the creatures towards them Mm -hmm. because like up to this point in the show my brain had been like this is a lot like evangelion and i'm like no don't that's (laughs) don't be lazy (laughs) don't just compare it to the obvious thing and then at this point where i'm like it's just even but but every yeah even just like minor stuff like when the the naked uh zero two in this episode like pops mm. up i'm like oh yeah. that's like the thing with ray and asuka ray and, the, and yeah. but then instead of going to embrace she like goes to choke where it's like yeah which is also <laughs> oh, oh they haven't yeah. seen uh end of evangelion uh, okay. okay so they already Somebody did that in evangelion yeah. yeah the blue ode and also like like the the what's it called stampede mode which is just berserker mode yeah yeah, yeah. And, and, awesome. and, and the overkill thing, that's like also kind mm. of like when um, unit one. Yeah. Unit one yeah. goes whatever, goes like mm-hmm. loses the there's armor. Sh- and- yeah. There's a shot in, I think, I think it's this. No, I think it's like the partner swap one. I can't remember where like, what's the one with the bazooka called? I keep forgetting. Chlorophytum. Chlorophytum. Chlorophytum goes into beast mode. And the mouth opens up and it looks exactly like Evangelion. Yes. <laughs> if this were more comedic, I'd just assume it was a joke reference, but it's like it's happening during a moment of drama and it's just a little weird. Yes, during yeah. a moment of drama where she, <laughs> where her butt lights up. Yeah. <laughs> when we came to this, like, neither, neither of you have seen it before you mentioned it to us. Mm-hmm. I knew it by reputation. Sin had no idea what it was. So we had like very different reactions, but like Sin was just texting me like, what the hell is this thing? And I was like, oh, like I was expecting this to be a lot more like, like high concept. Like I was Uh. expecting it to just be like the sexy robot butt show. And it ended up being like, okay, it's actually like this much darker than I was expecting. Mm -hmm. So I was like sort of taken aback by that aspect. And I think Sin is still processing Mm. So, so I don't know much about the reputation. Is that the reputation that it's like, like the sexy robots really? Yeah, because it's like I knew what it was because it was like I just had I'd seen seven times the image of them piloting, where it's just like okay, it's that, mm-hmm. and like it was I I like I knew Trigger obviously like by reputation as well, and in my head I was just so I hadn't seen Kill the Kill yet, so but like I was thinking Trigger, it's like Gurren Lagann, it's like like Luluko, like much more like light things. Because mm-hmm. I thought it's just like a one-off thing. It's just like what if, what if like sexy robots? But <laughs> it it went in a in a number of directions. But like I remember like texting my friends saying like, guess what? Sin and I are talking about Starling and the Franks, and it was uniformly across the board. Oh my god, was the response. 
because that's kind of the reputation it has. And like, I think a lot of my friends actually said they didn't watch beyond the first few episodes. So, and that's obviously before it ends up like this. So I yeah. think there's a real sense of like, people watched a couple of episodes and it was cemented in their head as that. So I, I don't think this is the yeah. Darling and the Franks thing. I think this is an anime thing. Yeah. Most anime I've seen have had a hard tonal shift at some point mm. in the series. What's well, it's got a name, isn't it? Like Joha Kyo or something, like a structural thing. Uh-huh. I don't know that. Can you can you elaborate on I that? I don't think I can because okay, I was hoping right. someone else would know about <laughs> it. It's like an it's like a structural thing in Japanese storytelling where it's like there's like three phases called like Joha and Kyo. I think it means like rising action or something. So you have like the light random yeah. phase, and then it's there's a shift and it becomes serious. Oh. I've heard, I don't know really. I've just heard of it. Uh, Shinjiro Watanabe <laughs> talked about this a little bit, just in layman's terms. It's like the build up, yeah. the twist, and the resolution. Yeah, yeah. That's the Japanese storytelling yeah. template. Uh, so if you ever wondered, like, yeah. why are there so many tonal, hard tonal shifts in so many anime? Mm. That's why. Okay. But- and also, wh- why the first, like, act doesn't necessarily structurally lead into what happens later on because like as i understand it the, the like the the randomness phase at the start is just meant to be establishing a tone it's not necessarily meant to be going like abcd leading to leading to this like shift this shift is actually just meant to happen whereas if you look at like the way that that western storytelling is taught it's like even in that first act where you're setting things up, it's still meant to progress in a linear way from like thing to thing to thing to thing to thing to to build up to that point. Yeah. Mm. Sin, you had something? Yes. Is it about Reborn? It was a very- please let it be about Reborn. It was a very intelligent comment, Uh, Brian, when you were talking about the template, I was like, okay, but they copied it from Reborn. (laughs) Is, is, Is there a hard tonal shift in Reborn? (laughs) <laughs> oh god yes yeah yes there's about 10 so. of them in the first season yeah. oh. it, it feels like the writer just had an idea for another series but didn't want to start another series so reborn just becomes that sin sin had prior to reborn seen no shine in anime at all i've seen sailor moon that's jojo <laughs> <laughs> No, but like this, it was fact because Sin knew nothing about Shonen anime, so like everything in Reborn was like this entirely new thing to her. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there, like, oh, is there going to be a torn in the dark? And she's like, what? Who did she know? Yeah, she knew everything. Like, You've seen this before. <laughs> yeah, Sophie wrote it. <laughs> I have a question for Sin now. Yes. In Sailor Moon, is there a hard tonal shift? Does it suddenly turn into something that's not about? Magical girls in sailor costumes. Well, sometimes it's about food, mm. which is pretty cool. The thing about Sailor Moon is like the the English dub that I think a lot of people are familiar with was pretty like valorized. Like mm-hmm. they they cut a lot of stuff out, but like there's like death and stuff toward the end of Sailor Moon that they in the English dub they were just like oh they're they're like in a coma and they'll get better later on. <laughs> people die in that show. Mm. Yeah, I don't remember much. Sailor Moon, but I remember there's a, a character named Nephlight or Nephrite, maybe it's a bad guy yeah. who like kind of falls for not one of the sailors, Molly, but, like, I think one of their friends. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then like his, she's like in, it has some sort of artifact, like one of the crystals. And so Nephrite is like, oh, well, I'll get in good with her and that's how I'll get it. But then he ends up kind of falling for her. 
And then there's, okay, uh, wait, time out, time out, time out, time out. <laughs> While you were gone, I told Ben our spoiler section is only like 10 or 15. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so you guys just talk about Sailor Moon the whole time. Sailor Moon. You're like, I'll talk about this in the spoiler <laughs> section. And then you're like, this part reminded me of this episode of Sailor Moon. And okay. <laughs> we didn't say it was spoilers from Darling Moon. It can be spoilers. <laughs> okay. All right. As long as it ruins their storyline. <laughs> All right, look, all right, so I've got some real shit to drop here. All right, so yeah. Ben, there's a Claxosaur yeah. queen who's okay. who's blue. And uh, okay. there's an implication that uh, 001, who is the Claxosaur queen, uh, kind of knows what's going on uh, and is aware mm. of 002, uh, knows Frank's, knows Ape and the Lamarck HQ and all that shit. And Based on where we were going with this episode, I was like, oh, is the Klaxosaur queen, is she playing the role of the blue ogre, sending all this shit for Zero Two to blow up, uh, to be the hero to Hmm. the humans, the children? Well, then the blue ogre goes very, very far. Like the blue ogre (laughs) takes it to a point where you're like, are you trying to ingratiate Zero Two or kill all of her teammates? Like, which one do you want? It's not clean. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the ley line thing, what I wasn't saying before was like, oh, is this, is this why they know where to drill for magma energy? Like, is that what this sacred map is that they put on their yeah. ceiling? Like the Sistine Chapel, they put on their flags. Like lava flow lines. Yeah. And then uh, the sorification, like, is the concern there that zero two is reverting back to what she was before they like because franks did something and changed her she's not red anymore Mm -hmm. i think she just grew up it's puberty i think the pigment (laughs) spread out in her skin as he grew really because zero zero one is still blue davidi zero zero one is a singular organism Mm -hmm. completely different okay yeah completely different yeah Thank you, Sam. <laughs> all right. All I'm saying is zero uh, two has to go through maintenance and they're concerned mm-hmm. about her changing somehow. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm just thinking she wants to be human so badly. Mm-hmm. So if the maintenance is like making her more human, wouldn't she be like all all for it? She doesn't know what that means. Like she says that to Ichigo human. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. she wants to be human, but she doesn't want to be human. She wants love. Well, um, I mean, but- Considering what humans do generally to each other on the planet, she's on the right track. Yeah, they kill each other a lot. They choke each other. (laughs) Uh, They throw each other's uh, undergarments off of roofs. Humans eat fish. (laughs) There we go. So since we are talking spoilers, this will I'll have like a more meaty thing in a later episode, but... Um, there are some really interesting parallels uh, of Zero Two and Zero Zero One uh, to these two Sumerian goddesses. Uh, there's Inanna. Uh, Inanna is like a precursor to Ishtar and Aphrodite and Venus, right? So uh, before like Aphrodite and Venus, this goddess is like uh, revered as a goddess of both love and war and refuses to respect the boundaries around her. So like she's not only has these dual seemingly conflicting domains, but also uh, is always trying to get 
the other domains of other gods, right? Like, oh, her patron animal is a lioness, which is the form that Streletzia takes when it goes into stampede mode. Um, and then 001 represents, uh, or I don't know if it represents, but it seems to track pretty well, Arishkagal, which is Nana's older sister, who is the queen of the underworld. Uh, the name roughly translates to empress or goddess of the great earth. That's pretty apt because as we learn about this Klaxo princess, Klaxo queen, like it's her will. All of the Klaxosaurs, they're not mindless, but they're all submitting to her will. And, you know, these Klaxosaurs, they're kind of like dinosaurs. They're kind of like oil. So they are like the dead returning to haunt us. Mm -hmm. But one of the reasons why we wanted to cover the show, Brian and I, was because we didn't see any coverage of things like this. It does have this uh, reputation and Trigger has this reputation. And so I think a lot of the coverage that we saw, it got stuck on that surface level stuff Mm -hmm. and it never bothered to explore the like awesome uh, design elements that were chosen. Hmm. There's actually a trick to getting through the first couple of episodes. (laughs) Do tell. So you can go to menu and you can up the speed to about 400%. (laughs) I was appalled that you did that. (laughs) I was the true fan. I watched the whole thing subtitled beginning to end. I watched the opening and the the ending and you were just like, I'm watching 400% with the dub. I'm skipping the opening and ending sequences. I, I guess the other thing about like, you're talking about like the Queen Klaxosaur and everything. Like we talked about the, the hexagon design being like a plant cell, but also being a honeycomb. Mm-hmm. And if you think of like a honeycomb as like a beehive and bees pollinate flowers and there's like a queen bee who's like mm. overseeing the drone bees. And it's sort of like all these like, I, they're all sort of like interconnecting with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of interesting because then the like the flowers need the bee. Yeah. And like the, the underground city itself, like it's gold, which looks like honey. So it's like this like giant honey, like this, it's like a beehive, but everyone there is sterile, like a, like a bee drone is sterile. Oh, wow. There's just the queen. Oh, whoa. Like, yeah. Whoa. Only the queen. Yeah, wow. only the queen can give birth. That is fucking wild. <laughs> oh my gosh. Just like these uh, disposable stamens, mm. right? That's like ants and bees, right? You don't see males because the yeah. males look weird and different and all they do is hang around the the queen. um uh the hive and impregnate the queen right yeah so, so this is just me asking i want to go to full spoilers but so a couple episodes from now they they kill a klaxosaur and there's this like human shaped thing there so yeah. are there like human people inside all of these klaxosaurs they were okay. human it, now yeah, they're like it's huge. it's basically yeah yeah, it's like Evangelion, where like the Frankses are like bootlegged versions of these like old things. Mm, okay, so so that it's not like was it like humanity branched into these two chains, or there's supposed to be some ancient alien species on the planet or something? They're like a dinosaur civilization. They're a reptilian-based pre-human civilization. Mm. That's been like underground or something like that. Yeah. I don't know what they call them in Japanese, but eventually they call them in the English version, uh, Klaxo sapiens, hmm. which is cute. All right. Mm. Better than Klaxo erectus. <laughs> 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 okay. Any more spoilers? Anything anybody ha- wants to get off their chest? Well, because we have Sin and Sophie here, 
there is something I do want to talk about. Uh, so I'm a super fan of Frank's. Um, and we, we've had guests on that could care less about the show and were openly hostile about it. That's fine. <laughs> like, my thing is, like, I, I want to hear criticisms that I feel like are fair. And most of the criticisms I hear, I do not think are fair. Right. Like a hard tonal shift. I don't, that, that's not unique to Frank's. That's yeah. most of anime. Um, like sexy robot stuff. I've seen dozens of sexy robot anime. It's not unique to Frank's being derivative. Like I expect Gynax kind of content from yeah. Gynax alumni. So I don't feel like that's a fair criticism either. Mm. Um, there is areas where the writing suffers. Yeah. And there's a lot of cringy stuff like the mm. deep inside you line. Yeah. Uh, I like to throw that out as a joke. Yeah. So if we're not talking about that, like okay. what, what else would we look at? Be like, this is weak. This should have been done better or differently. Um, what I was saying before, where like it feels a little overplanned mm -hmm. because it's getting into all this psychological relationship stuff, but also they're also very on track with this like complicated conspiracy with like Ape and the gardens and everything. Mm -hmm. And like one of the things about Evangelion is that it starts like that and then that whole aspect becomes background noise. Mm -hmm. Whereas I feel like with Franks, they stick to it and because they're sticking to it, some of the character stuff, it doesn't have the room to breathe that it would have in another sh in by another show, I actually mean Evangelion. Yeah, yeah, but like fine. when yeah. Evangelion, yeah, yeah, where there's this there's the saline nerve thing famously, like this doesn't make any rational logical sense at all. Mm -hmm. Like they've mm -hmm. rewritten this thing about four times during like the <laughs> I remember like early internet Ava discourse, but during like late 90s, it was insufferable because everyone's like, well, no, we we just figure out the master code. All of these things will like make perfect rational sense together, and they don't because the master code is not rational. The master code <laughs> is like is like this psychological depression, like weird sort of incestuous feelings thing that's like governing mm -hmm. the series. Whereas with this, it feels like if they had actually stuck the landing with that, but I think because they stick to landing with it, like you we we you talked already about like, the final couple of episodes, it sort of goes off the rails. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's a product of that with like, okay, here's our big twist. Here's our conspiracy. And we're going to stick to this. Mm -hmm. If it's going to go in the direction it does with like, what is the nature of humanity and like all this stuff about like, you know, sterility and childbirth and innocence and sex and stuff that felt a bit like it was pushed to the side by like the other pl plots here. Okay. All right. That, that's a, uh, that's a really great criticism. Uh, like yeah. I want to ask you a really specific thing then. Um, sure. Were you expecting like a big fight between Squad Thirteen and the Nines? Yeah, because they were setting it up, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Also, like there's a bit of going back to Evangelion, like when they they show like the the mass produced Franks, I'm like, oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Again, <laughs> end of Evangelion. Um, yeah. That fight that you're referencing yeah. i guess that's what i where i thought they were going yeah like yeah. oh my gosh we're gonna see the fucking nines go crazy <laughs> yeah 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 uh, oh well and even like in this episode where um uh zero two is attacking the claxosaur with the spear it's like very similar to like oscar with the lance oh oh, oh yeah, wow. yeah, yeah like you're saying it's like gainax alumni obviously it's going to be full of references but it, it they look like deliberate callbacks, but they're happening during moments of high drama. And that sort of pulled me out of it a little. Uh, like, okay. It's hard for me to like get invested in the, um, not get invested, but it's hard for me to like get in the moment of like, oh shit, uh, Chlorophytum's going into stampede mode. 
when chlorophytamin stampede mode is like it's almost like a like a pun on evangelion mm-hmm. unit one going into berserk mode. Mm-hmm. but yeah like in generally like i was actually quite pleasantly surprised at it not being the thing that i had been told it was mm. well i appreciate that mm. yeah i was quite happy with ultimately what it was yeah i thought i was gonna hate it I wonder if it's kind of like, you know, like in fantasy stuff, it's always like, oh, how does the magic work in this series? And it's kind of like, like you come up with these rules. And Mm -hmm. I wonder if it's sort of like when they're coming up with these mechs, they're like, oh, the thing, our twist is that like two people pilot them, but like blah, blah, blah. And then they just like added in like, you know, oh, and it has a thing that's like the berserk mode. It's called stampede, but it happens in one pilot or whatever. And then it's just kind of like once you make those rules, Mm it'll like kind of come up in the story the similar way yeah, or something yeah, like that. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like mm-hmm. a genre thing. Maybe we can all agree on this. Like when I watch a show, I want to lose myself. I want to get invested mm-hmm. and like fan service things. However, it's expressed always take yeah. me out of it. It reminds yeah. me I'm sitting on my couch or whatever. Mm-hmm. So what didn't come up and maybe this is just implied like, so the sexuality in the first few episodes, um, I think that's probably what turns most people off. Yeah. Uh, well, it's it's the sexuality and also the way it's presented. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, these people not just, are like 12. Yeah. It's not, <laughs> a, not a comfortable thing to watch, you know? Well, no, because it, it's that, but it's also like, it's you, you can't really separate it from its context, which is like Japan is sort of freaking out a little about its declining birth rate. Mm-hmm. And it's hard not to look at that, like those first few episodes and just see it as like, this is just them yelling at, at kids to go out and fuck to have children. Because like when it started off, it's that. And then the more it goes on, the more it's like, actually, the reason they're doing this is because this is something artificial that they have been indoctrinated into believing. Mm-hmm. It's not, And it's all very controlled and very sterile. And then I also feel like toward the end of it, 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 that's again something that it loses because it sets itself up like okay everyone is being forced into these very rigid roles and you have characters like Ikuno who's clearly gay is being forced to like pilot with like a man in this thing that's like clearly sexual and she's not into it and she's like can I pilot with a girl so it's heading like it, it's sort of like is this binary thing about to break down but then the end of it it's it's it becomes more like a back to nature thing more so than a a breaking of that binary because like you can look at it and say okay it's about how everyone needs to pair off into little like heterosexual pairs but then like they show you the the old couple and it's like this is terrible mm-hmm. like they're paired off but they don't know why and like they don't talk to each other and this guy is like hooked up to an orgasm pod all day and his wife is like she collapses and he doesn't notice because they're so mm-hmm. like they're, they're forcibly cohabiting but they're distant from each other so it becomes less about like little monogamous pairings and more about like the nature of the pairing. Yeah. So we're, we're dealing with content that makes a lot of people uncomfortable. Yeah. Right. That's why I love the show. Yeah. <laughs> Most sexuality in anime is bullshit. It's just mm. this gratuitous stuff to tantalize you. And the anime community is comfortable with it. And yeah. here's something we're show- we're being shown sexuality and it's uncomfortable. Yeah. So everyone hates it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, because they just want to have their fantasy. And like, and, and, yeah, yeah. go ahead. And it's it's also like, because we're so used to being pandered to, 
when you're shown something that's uncomfortable, people will lead to the conclusion that that's also pandering and it just doesn't work on them. So they'll react in a very like revolted way to it. That's something I see a lot in like bad criticism where it's like the assumption that like this is supposed to have this effect on people. Mm-hmm. And because it's not having that effect on me, like I'm that's because I've like broken the conditioning and I'm smart enough to realize. Right. Yeah. I, I, I do think that this thing is trying to be like a lot of different things to mm. different people. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, maybe if you're the creator, then you're yeah. like, you know, it's kind of like maybe the Evangelion trick of like, mm. we'll bring people here with the big mechs and the fighting, yeah, and then yeah. we'll like show them a thing or two once they're here. Yeah. But, well, I, I feel like the, the thing about like the Evangelion trick is it clearly wasn't planned to be a trick. <laughs> so what's happened is attempts to sort of clone it, I think don't ever work out because it wasn't a conscious decision to begin with. Like it, it's, if they had had control, I think they would have stopped making Evangelion and taken a break and come back. But it's like, we have to get these episodes out. We have no money. And the director is like having severe mental health issues. Mm-hmm. So, but you can't really copy that because it's it's like not it it wasn't a plan to begin with and and that's sort of why it's so it's so endearing and it's so endearing and it's so fascinating because it's it's basically Mm. like someone's dream journal in a sense but but i think for me one of the things i struggle with is like you know like the the mech designs and stuff Mm. like that just like seems so goofy like to me it's like they're almost like happy meal toys or something like that and it's like I don't know. So, so I feel like yeah. there's a lot of aspects of the show where I'm like, but if you just cut out like that stuff, yeah. like that's yeah. just like kind of like wasting time or something like that, you know, but I think they were trying to make it work on that level too. And I mm. think maybe Brian, you just might be like in the sweet spot where you're like, oh, these things are both, both my jam. <laughs> no, I, I, I hate the Frank's designs. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I, I won't say this to most guests, uh, but I hate Studio Trigger. I don't like anything they do. Ooh. It's okay. I don't know who they are. <laughs> uh, they produce Reborn. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like um, context, right? It's all about context. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's this reunion of like Gynax alumni it's groups that went in two different directions with two different passions. And like, it's kind of a meta thing. Like no one's going to get everything they want. You know, they can get part of what they want. And then there's a lot of areas where you got to compromise. And like, I feel like that's part of the message of the show. Yeah. Mm. And I also just, this didn't come up, but like a lot of anime um, conflicts are resolved in like these spectacular ways. And the issue between zero two and hero is they talk about it. (laughs) They talk about their feelings and work it out. And like, that's not the climax most audiences are looking for, but I feel like it's the best one. Do they put mm. it to super dramatic music? They say, yeah. I feel like I'm deep inside yeah. you. Yeah. Oh my God. That's <laughs> three. All right, Brian. Okay. That's your right. I'm done. I'm okay. done. I'm done. I, I know I'm like uh, taking up everyone's time just because we've got spectacular guests. I, I do want to address this, like um, the binary thing though, because it's, it's a problem and it does seem like Japanese political propaganda right yeah but because of this episode and bringing up the golden bow like they're talking about like the cycle of death and birth the fertility cycle and how it's linked to like the king like the the prosperity and health of the king is linked to the land yeah um i just felt like maybe it's lost on me uh (laughs) but i but i felt like it was it could have gone somewhere further Mm. like we could have had 
a, a better look at that dynamic. Yeah, because it, it's a situation where like this Frank's thing is it's simultaneously about like how well these two people get on, but it also it, they make it biological at the same time. Mm. The nines are interesting because like the nine shop and they have they have unisex outfits. And they can actually do both pistol and stain in positions. Mm. So it's like, it's heading toward this idea of like, okay, maybe this like binary thing is breaking down. Not to get super spoilery, but the end of it is like, it more becomes like, just go back to like, to nature almost rather than like moving forward. It's like, we fucked up, just go back. Mm -hmm. Um, Because like the the thing that happens with um, Ikuno is like, she's like, she's explicitly gay. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the series, when it's like everything's being restored, she's there, but she's sort of apart from everything. Mm. She's also in a position where she's like, she's not going to be around. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, you sort of went in this direction, but then it's like, we just go back again. It's trying to be about like reproduction, but it's take on reproduction is very, very reductive to like, it's just biology. Because like, some, like I, I've talked to like Sin about this a lot, it comes up a lot in Bloodborne um weirdly but like the notion of like reproduction of people is not specifically just biological it's also very social oh yeah but again that's something that's that's elided it's something that is if you look at like the the way in which like societies are structured they tend to act as like even the social parts of it are just biology like we're getting into like like feminist philosophy <laughs> but like oh. every so often there'll be like some um article written about like if you look at like the if domestic labor will wage, this is the average amount that like a housewife would earn. Right. Um, like that, that's sort of an example of it, that like there's all of this other work that goes into the reproduction of people that is not biological, hmm. but we treat it though. It's not actually work. We treat it mm-hmm. as though it's like, it's that's all, that's just part of the process. Like once you have the child, the act of like feeding and educating and, and like, looking after the child is is a continuation of that rather than it's a job. And I feel like Frank sort of, it starts to go in that direction where it's like, once we remove that biological aspect, like what happens? Mm. But then at the end, it, it's go back to like, oh, we'll just go back to tradition. We just have to like each other more. And it, it sort of, it all, it, it, it goes back to like, well, the most important thing is still fucking in a sense. I can't. But fucking someone you like, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Very important. Like, I can't help but to wonder if we're looking at like a lack of competency from the culture this is coming from. Um, it's it's hard to sort of like I don't. They may have been told to not do that by someone else. Like, I don't know. Possible. Yeah. I mean, the lack of sophistication. I think it's insensitive to sensitive issues. Yeah. The the nature versus industry thing. Like, mm. I just sort of put it into the Evangelion framework. Like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh, uniformity versus unity, I guess. Gosh darn it. If, if they'd been able to play out the story better, like yeah. exploring the nines, like, cause there's those, mm. the three, the triplets, they're, three they're clones, androgynous. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're all pretty androgynous on the nines. Yeah. And also like the fact that they make a big deal out of cloning. Mm-hmm. So mm. it's like, you've got a model for a society that is reproducing people without sex, but like, that's not rather than being explored. It's like, Oh, it was, mm, let's not do that. Bad idea. Yeah. Terrible idea. <laughs> well, it, it's so, it, I, it goes all over the place. And like, I feel like I need to watch it again to really get a grasp on it. Ooh. But there, there's something in particular about that old couple. They don't talk anymore at all. And then the, 
the old woman is like, oh, I'm paired off with this guy. And it's just, I, I wrote it down. It's like, we're just following this custom for the sake of convention. Mm-hmm. And like men and women used to form relationships in the past, but they don't anymore in the same way. So there's this aspect of like, well, okay, that's all like that's all formalized. The Frank's piloting is all formalized. Everything is like we're all following this like rigid series of conventions. But then everyone just goes and forms little hetero pairs anyway. So it's like I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, to me, I like when I see that old couple or something like mm-hmm. that. I wonder if that's like some sort of like commentary on modern japanese relationships or something like yeah, that it's like because, people are um, just like paired yeah. off but they're not really into the relationship they're just doing this because like yeah. that's what they were supposed to do or whatever and then they just seek out their own pleasure independently yeah. Or, yeah. or something and that... it's 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 making it like heterosexuality super important but also it's very important that it's someone that like you have a personal connection with but it's it's super like you can't separate it from the context at all. Mm-hmm. The thing about like people saying, well, like, oh, young people were always felt like old people were in charge. Like it's not different for you. But like the fact is that like it is different now because over time, like in the global north, mm-hmm. life expectancy is going way up and birth rates are going way down. So like, oh, yeah, the proportion of like old people in power that we're dealing with as like millennials slash zoomers is totally different. I think it's something like a quarter of the United States population is going to be over 65 at some point. Like that's like yeah. crazy to think about. Yeah. And like Japan is like, I think it's even, it's even more pronounced. Yeah. Yeah. And just like in Frank's, uh, uh, the drastic uh, life expectancy rates mm. are disproportionately those people who have access to advanced medical technology. Yeah. And, and in Frank's as well, like the lifespan comes at the cost of reproduction, like explicitly. Absolutely. And like, yeah. And the other thing is like, I was watching it and I was thinking like, they're saying like, you can't reproduce, you can't reproduce, you can't reproduce. And I thought, oh, they're sterile. But then the more I've watched it, the more I'm like, does it actually mean that they can't have sex? Like, is that where, is that what it means? Cause like, it's a little, it's a little model, but like, is literally the idea that like their genitals straight up don't work anymore once you have this treatment. Cause that would also explain why the guy is like literally is in an orgasm pod because mm-hmm. presumably like they can't actually have intercourse. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But even that is like, you're sort of getting like, you're going in this very essentialist direction where like sex means like vaginal penetration and nothing else. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's sort of playing around with all these ideas. And I don't think it has a concrete idea of like, it, it doesn't sort of have a, a total grasp on a lot of them. So it, it's like, it's fascinating in a lot of ways, but also it, I think it's kind of muddled. Yeah. And that's why like, I'm so glad it is that because it gives us something to talk about because <laughs> after like the first three episodes of like the fuck robots, I'm like, what am I going to say about this? <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, well, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah nice. this is awesome. Thank uh, you. Sin, you're so patient and, and wonderful. Um, did you have any last thoughts, uh, any critiques of the show, anything you wanted to leave us with? Not as good as Reborn, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs>